Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. The book of 1 Peter in chapter number 4. The book of 1 Peter in chapter number 4. We're still marching through this book of 1 Peter, learning more about uh, this being uh, strong in the Lord to strengthen the brethren for the upcoming persecution, the upcoming turmoil days that are ahead. And that now's the time to start developing the habit of obedience to Christ. Why we have the freedom and the liberty to do so, it is very hard to establish and do what's right when the pressure is on, if that habit is not already established. As we now continue in the book of 1 Peter chapter number 4, the book of 1 Peter chapter number 4, let's pick it up together starting in verse number 3. Uh, verse number 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, starting at verse 4. Wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be be judged according to the men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards under the manifold grace of God. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4? 1 Peter chapter 4, and notice with me in verse 8, the phrase, fervent charity. Fervent charity. Now again in verse number 8, when it's talking about this, it starts off above all things. This is a phrase that would show to the reader, to the listener, that this is important. Above all things, have fervent charity. Fervent charity among yourselves. That word fervent carries the idea of heated. Carries the idea uh, uh, literally of boiling. Something that is there. It's not passive. It's not lukewarm. It's not cold. It is a fervent, heated Charity. That word charity is a special word for love. It carries the idea of a love that cost me something with no hope of return. It is a very special love. In fact, in the Bible, there's a couple words used for love. There's the word love that is used phileo. It's a, the root word is phileo. That's a reactive type of love. That's a type of love that because you like me, I like you. Because you love me, I love you. Because you do nice things for me, I have no problems doing nice things for you. I'm responding. Well, the word charity is a different type of love. It is a higher type of love. It is something that I am going to love someone. I'm going to do something for someone 
even if they never do anything back for me. I'm going to love that person even if they don't have the ability, the capability to give me back in return. You know, it's easy to be nice to someone if you think that one day they're going to be nice to you, if they're going to hook you up, getting the right people in order. It is much harder to love someone when you know that all you're going to get back is heartache. All you're going to get back is, is a hard time, that they're never going to respond properly, but I love them anyways. This is that type of love that is explained here, this charity, this love that I have for others that it's going to cost me something with no hope of return. Notice as it uses a modifier to it, an adjective, what type of charity? A fervent heated charity. It's a love and a passion. It's not just, I love you, I've committed to take care of you, but it's also backed up with a heated passion. I am committed to take care of you, and it is a joy for me to take care of you, even if I don't get something back. And so with that modifier, it puts it even more. And if you don't mind, I'd like to take some time to speak to you about this fervent charity, to speak to you about this fervent charity and how it, it, it is supposed to be a part of our life and what does it mean. Maybe before we explain that, we could see when Jesus actually teaches Peter this same principle. Look with me if you don't mind in the gospel record of John 21. We're coming back to Peter in just a second, but let's look at John 21. In John 21, we have Jesus Christ who has been crucified, buried on a borrowed tomb, and he rises again. And during that time that he is risen again, Jesus Christ spends some time with his disciples to give them some last minute instruction to help them as the transition as they now have to live their life without Jesus bodily, physically beside them. How do they survive? How do they go on without Jesus being in the midst of them? Well, notice what Jesus Christ teaches them, if you don't mind, in, um, <coughs> in first, or, sorry, the Gospel record of John 21. Notice with me, if you don't mind, starting at verse 15. So when they had dined, this is Jesus and his disciples, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto them, Feed my lambs. Now remember, the context of this is that Peter had gotten discouraged. After all, Jesus got crucified. And he watched Jesus get crucified. He watched as the government and the Jewish people, the Romans, all turned against Jesus. And he remembered how he failed Jesus. Remember, he denied Jesus three times. And, and so with that, he had guilt. Many of us are familiar with guilt. And so Peter quit. I, too much of a failure. I know Jesus is gr risen, great, wonderful, but I failed him. How can I serve him? How can I go on? So he quit. He says, I'm going back to fishing. Remember, his, when he says, I go a fishing earlier in this passage, he doesn't say, well, I'm going to go take some time off. No, he was going back to his old job. I quit. I'm going fishing. And so when Jesus Christ came to them, they had fished all night and didn't catch a single thing. 
And so Jesus Christ said, let it down on the other side of the net. They did. And when they did, they had a whole catch of fish. And so much that it overloaded the ship and was about ready to sink. Peter realized it was Jesus, took off and ran and went to go greet him. When they finally got the ship there, Jesus... Or, <laughs> the disciples were trying to pick it up and took all of them. They could barely lift it. Peter, who's being a man-man, just picked it all up. 150-something pounds of fish and set it down. Started to have dinner with Jesus. They had cooked some of the fish, began to fry it. Jesus is talking with them. And Jesus says, uh, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou more than these? This word these is a pronoun. What is he referring to? Who's he talking to? Well, he's referring to the fish. And with it, the idea of the fish is his last job. His job. Do you love me more than your employment, than what you do? Now, the word that Jesus lived, used, uh, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest, that word love there is the word charity. It's that love that cost you something with no hope of return. He says, Simon, do you charity me, agape me. Do you love me uh, to the place where it cost you something, no hope in return? Do you love me more than these? Well, when Peter responded, he said on uh, verse number 15 at the end of it, he saith unto him, Peter said unto Jesus, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He used the weaker word love there, phileo love. He says, Lord, you know that I have a responsive type of love for you. And Jesus said, if that's true, feed my lambs. If you love me, feed my lambs. Jesus asked, uh, verse 16, he saith unto him a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Thou me? And he said to him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said, feed my sheep. Once again, he's trying to get Jesus uh, to talk to Peter. Do you charity me? Lord, you know that I phileo you, then feed my sheep. A third time, verse 17, he saith unto him, a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Now he uses the phileo love. G Peter was grieved because he said unto him a third time, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, thou knowest that I, all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Now in this, is Jesus trying to be mean to Peter because Peter quit, because Peter denied? Is he trying to just rub his face in it? I thought you loved me. No, Jesus is actually trying to teach Peter here that the ultimate form of worship is loving me. When you have loved me and I'm in the rightful place, everything else will fall into its place. That feeding my sheep is important, but more important is for you to love me. Then everything else, love me. Put me in the first place. Jesus is saying, when Christ is in his rightful place, everything else in his rightful place. So Jesus took time to teach Peter. So when Peter is now, after he's converted, strengthen the brethren, that was the prophecy. As we go back to 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter has had a lesson from Jesus himself about love. And now he is teaching the brethren, those who will come to know Christ as their Savior, and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. Do you think Peter understood a little bit about love? Yes. Because 
Peter, uh, Jesus taught him. And now he's trying to teach the first century Christian that we need to have this charity. By the way, where does this charity come from? Where does it source? Where do we have? It starts with God, putting him in his rightful place. I will never be the husband I ought to be unless God is in his rightful place. I will never be the father I ought to be unless God is in his rightful place. It all begins with God. And so we understand here that before I can love others, my love for the Lord has to be in its rightful place. But when the, my love for the Lord is in its rightful place, all the other things will fall into place. Does that make sense? So with that, let's kind of study a little bit more of this idea of having charity, love for others. The first thing that we understand is that love identifies us as Christians. Love identifies us as Christians. Well, if you don't mind, hold your finger here. Let's go bounce somewhere else. Look with me in the book of John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Remember, John 13 is part of the uh, passage where Jesus Christ has finished the Last Supper and he is now traveling with the disciples up to the Garden of Gethsemane where in a few short hours Jesus is going to be arrested and put on a cruel cross. And so he's gathered his disciples and he's trying to teach them last minute things. And in John chapter 13 as he's giving this preparation, notice with me in John 13 verse uh, 34. John 13 and verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We know that love identifies us as Christians, that we have a love towards another brother. Now remember this heated, fervent charity that we love other people to the place that we take care of them even if we don't get anything back. We can love the unlovely. We can love those that can't help us back, that won't profit us. How, how do we, the world, identify something different? Because of the way that we love people. Again, the world recognizes that phileo love, that because you're nice to me, I could be nice to you. But if you're mean to me, what, am I, what do I tend to want to do back? To be mean. Well, when someone's mean to us and we follow back up with love, well, that's opposite of what the world does. That's opposite. Let me give an example. Traffic. Do you love that person who cut you off? Or what you would rather do is give them a piece of your mind and hope that it doesn't take too much. Well, the idea that there's something different in us is that we say, you know what? I hope they have a good day. I hope they get saved. There's something different because that's not the normal response. And then you can apply it to all the different stuff. How do I know that I'm a Christian? How can others tell I'm a Christian? By the way that I love people. Even if I don't get anything back for them. Even if it's not going to help benefit me in either way. Jesus said, this is how people know that you're my disciple. A follower of me. Someone who, who's just like me. Who's learned from me. By the way that you love and treat people. That you're not trying to revenge back to people. You are loving those who cannot do anything back for you. Who may never do anything. Who may never profit you. To love those anyways. Now you may attend all the church meetings. Carry a big Bible dressed like a Christian. But the Lord said the garment that identifies us as his children is love. Do we love each other 
do we love others who are unlovely? Is our response different? That should be one of the hallmarks that the world recognizes there's something different. We all know churches that act just like the world. That someone's mean to the church, that church wants to respond back. There should be something different about how we respond. As we turn back to 1 Peter, notice this. 1 Peter chapter number 4. And notice what it says at the end of verse 8. Uh, 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover a multitude of sins. That we see that love covers a multitude of sin. Love does not just identify us as Christians. It understands the imperfections of others. That we're able to love someone even if they're not perfect. You know, that's what Jesus has done for us. We are not perfect and we prove it all the time. And he loves us anyways. Aren't you glad that he doesn't say, oh, pfft, wipe my hands of you. You just did too much for me. He loves us in, in spite of our mistakes. Well, we have to learn that same love. To love people in spite of their imperfections. You know, this is again... A, different, a difficult thing for the old man, for the world, for the flesh. That if we see someone fall, you know what the national pastime is? That we kick a person when they're down. We elbow drop them. We pound on their mistakes with I told you so's and that's what you get. And, and that's not what they need at that time. It says ye that are spiritual restore such a one. Now some people will mistakenly say this. That a... That, Love covers a multitude of sins, carries the idea that we don't deal with sin. No, because I love someone, I'm going to lovingly correct them out of their sin. I don't turn a blind eye. I don't pretend that their sin doesn't exist. I love them in spite of their sin. Does that make sense? There's a difference there. We love them in spite of their sins. We don't overlook the sins, but we... we it still treat them with compassion. Love is a deep abiding commitment to what we know is right. It's a decision, not just an emotion. By the way, that's uh, shown quite a bit through there. That charity, this love, it's not an emotion. It's a choice. When people define love as emotion, they have the wrong form of love in mind. Love is a commitment that I make. I'm thankful for that. That I could love someone no matter how many times they hurt me because I made a commitment to take care of them. No matter how crazy they may be, I love them in spite of that. I've committed, I've made a choice that I'm going to take care of. That's what this love is. It's a commitment to take care of them. Love treats people kindly and corrects with compassion. Our love must run uh, deeper than our differences. To love people despite the differences. That we want to bring them to where they are. <laughs> not again. Not sweeping away their sin. Not sweeping away the, the things that need to be corrected. But because I love them. I want to help them to that correction. And past it. And doing what is right. This is that idea of love. Now with this. We also understand something else. Love forgives. Love forgives. Do you know what it means to be forgiven? It means to be able to live again. 
that God has showed me mercy. And because I have that mercy, I'm not held down by that, by my past, by my failures, but I'm able to move forward because of that. How many people cannot move forward in their life because the people around them won't let them? They expect them to fail and they expect them to fail and they expect them to fail to the place where no matter what they do, we're expecting them to fail. Well, love forgives people and helps them to work with them. When people sin, there must be repentance. There has to be forgiveness and there has to be restoration. When we sin, we're supposed to repent and seek forgiveness. And after that forgiveness, there can be restoration between those two parties. A person cannot be restored until he's been repented and forgiven. So we understand that's a part of it. Now we're to forgive people. That forgiveness allows us to have a new start and allows them to have a new start. That we allow them to move forward and we allow ourselves to move forward. Interesting enough, I was at a preacher's meeting, men's meeting rather, and uh, it was kind of interesting to have a couple days where I had not just preachers, but people standing for two days asking questions for me. I love it. I love to be able to answer questions and be helped. And I had one guy who said, you know, at camp last year, you spoke about forgiveness. He says, I've struggled with that since you've mentioned it because I'm having a hard time forgiving people. He says, I recognize I need to. And so we were able to talk about this uh, and talk about being able to forgive and getting a fresh start and when you don't forgive, you put yourself in a prison cell. But you also get to the place where you're holding someone else down because you won't allow them to move forward either. You're stuck. You're stable. You're not moving forward. And you're being held down by yourself, by the prison bars of unforgiveness and bitterness. It was interesting that he brought that up. And then, of course, now we're bringing it here. Love forgives that we're not going to hold that past against them. But we want them to move forward. You say, what happens if they fail again? Then they fail again. We pray for them and hoping that this next time they'll be able to move forward. You say, that's hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I was speaking to that man, uh, I, the, I explained that the disciples went to Jesus and said, how many times do we have to forgive someone? And Jesus said 70 times 7, 490 times, which was an old Hebrew way of saying uh, uh, forever. And that carries the idea that if someone did the same sin to you 700 or 490 times, you had to forgive them each and every time. Now, if someone slapped you in the face different times throughout the day, 490 times, and you forgave them each time, by the time 491 slap hit, you don't say, well, I've been waiting for this one now. No, you've already developed the habit of forgiving someone. Just like everything else in the Christian life, you develop the habit of forgiving someone. You have to develop that habit. And so when it gets brought up again, it's not a one time and done. It's every time that issue gets brought up, you forgive them. You forgive them. You forgive them. That's what love does. Because I love you, I don't want you to be held down by this mistake. I want you to move forward. I want you to go on. And then they slap you again. I still want you to move forward. That doesn't come naturally. Exactly. It comes from God as we're plugged into him. That as he is in his rightful place and we love him, then God allows us to have the capability to love others that is beyond our ability. 
It starts with him. Love forgives. One more thing. Love lightens the load. Notice with me in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 9. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Love lightens the load. That idea here to use hospitality without grudging. The word hospitality carries the idea to serve others. When I have hospitality, I'm finding ways to serve others. But notice the qualifier here, without grudging. That carries the idea that I'll serve you, but I don't want to. I'll serve you, but it's only because I have to. That's grudging. That's carrying the idea that it's the wrong motive. I'm willing to serve you because I love you. And because I love you, I want to serve you. I'm not doing it because I have to. Now, we have to be careful because we all can get to the place where we're serving, but we're not happy about it. Fine, pastor told me to do this. I guess I'll go get it done. Well, it's because I love the church, because I love the Lord. I'm glad to do this. I'm glad to lighten the load. I'm glad to take care of this. It's not a big deal at all. When you love without begrudging, you don't have to have your arm twisted. You don't have to someone get on their knees and beg you, please, will you help me? When you love someone, you're looking for ways to lighten their load. You're looking for ways to be a servant, to be a help to them. What can I do to help? What can I, because I love you, it's not a big deal at all. Again, it's talking about this fervent charity. And when we have this fervent charity, it changes everything. This charity is a love that costs me something with no hope of return. The idea of fervent is to turn up the heat on it. That it is a passion. It is a desire. It's something that's within me because I first love the Lord. There's something in me because I love you. Because I love the church. Because I love the Lord. It's not a big deal at all that love identifies us as Christians. That we respond differently than the world and other people and our old nature. It's against our own nature. That love covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't put a blind eye towards them, but it carries the idea that I love them in spite of their sin and I still want them to succeed. That love forgives. That I, because I love them, I want them to move forward. I'm not going to hold them down because I won't get over an issue or an ought or something in their life. And because I love them, I'm glad to find ways to lighten their load. I want to find a way to help them out. Even if it cost me something, I'm willing to give of myself because I love them. Because I want to give them every opportunity to succeed. This is the love, the charity that God has given for us. And again, where does it come from? Not from ourselves. You can't make this happen yourself. It only happens when you love the Lord and he's in his rightful place and everything else flows the way that it should. We are to strengthen the brethren by being strong in our love. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness 
of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.